Welcome to the 30-Minute Hour. It's the weekly podcast where we discuss business, sports, politics, and whatever's on our mind. I'm your host, Eric Twiggs, your procrastination prevention partner. Joining me as always, you know him as the super CEO, the business strategist extraordinaire, and all-around good guy, Ted Fells. Happy Monday, all. Happy Monday. It certainly is a happy Monday. And I'm really happy about our guest today and the things he's going to share. And when you hear some of the things that he's done, you're going to say it's just impossible. <laughs> it can't be done. You're going to say that. But I don't want to give it away, Ted. Yeah, I want to... We, we, we have other things we'll talk about, then we'll get to all the great things that our guest has done. But this certainly is not your everyday podcast. Let me tell you, if they don't know that by now, Eric, that this is not the everyday podcast, only, only on a not the everyday podcast will you let your phone slide and hit the button and then <laughs> the video goes out. Yes. Only here. Yeah, this is unique. I mean, on this part, the co-host just disappears. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, it's not your everyday podcast. Not your everyday podcast. That doesn't happen anywhere else. No. <laughs> we try to bring a different flavor, though, in all seriousness. Uh, we want to make it different. We, we want to lighten it up. I know people are going through a lot of different things. But hopefully, you can watch us. You can laugh. You can learn and take your life to the next level. Uh, you can definitely catch us here on the 30-Minute Hour Facebook page. Uh, you can go to our website, the30minutehour.net. You can uh, watch us on IGTV if you're watching us live. Shout out to those of you who are watching us right now on IGTV. And you can also listen to the replay on any of those podcasting platforms like iHeartRadio, Anchor, Spotify, so forth and so on. I did want to take some time to talk about what now university. We, you know, we have the what now movement. You, you know all about that. We talk about that every week. We talk about how it's marketing Monday and you can get discovered. But we also have what now university. And, and this past weekend was just outstanding where we, we had William Randolph and he talked about how to get contracts with the federal government. I mean, it was just great information. Uh, this week, we've got Sean Trice. He, he's talking about the legal side of things. You know, he's answering questions like, should you form an LLC? Should you form a partnership? Should you just be incorporated? You know, what, what, what can you do to keep the IRS from stressing you when you're collecting money? And, and you know, what, what should your language look like on your contracts? All those things that you know how you're, Ted, you're excited about starting a business, so it's easy to overlook those details? Yeah, you know, anything, look, anything outside of just, you know, everything, everybody thinks, yeah, you just go out there, you open up the doors, and you just start getting money. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> just get money, and you become famous, and you just become big. I mean, that's just how it goes. Exactly, exactly. So, so it's easy to overlook those little details, but Sean Trice is going to help, help you to uh, talk, to get those ducks in a row. Because those little ducks, those little details can come back to bite you. Yeah. As Ted and I can tell you from various 
business experiences over the years. Oh yeah, those ducks will bite you. Right. You'll get right. them in a row. Right, so, so if you're trying to get bitten a little less. <laughs> <laughs> one less bite. Right, if you want one less bite. That's you, it. You need to be at that master class. It's this coming Saturday. The networking starts at 9.30. Sean Trice, he is our presenter. Sean Trice, I'm sorry, Sean Trice Esquire is our presenter. Um, he's an attorney. He can tell you all the legal side of things, legal contracts and agreements, keeping your partners and your patrons on the same page. Mm. You definitely want to check that out. Absolutely. So, Ted. Yes, Eric. I've got something that's on my mind. Please share, Eric. So today, I want to talk to you from the topic of how to achieve how to achieve the impossible. Mm. That's right. I was inspired by our guest today. So I want to talk about how to achieve the impossible. Mm. So you know how in the acting world, you have Broadway. In baseball, Ted, you have the major leagues. But in the world of new car sales, mm. you have the Mercedes-Benz dealership. Right. So it's understood that if you sell cars, you need a proven track record with a lesser brand before you step up to selling Mercedes Benzes. Like everybody knows that it's considered to be impossible just to walk in off the street, start selling Mercedes Benzes. This doesn't work that way. Mm. This isn't a mystery. Everybody knows this. Everybody except for this guy named Jeff. Yeah. But Jeff, he had this successful background in selling. He was selling pianos but he had never sold cars before. He always wanted to be a Mercedes salesman and he had the audacity to start his quest by just going into local dealerships. He just went into Mercedes dealerships, never sold cars before saying, hey, I wanna be a Mercedes salesman. He goes to the first location. He spoke with this guy named Ron about his interests. He told Ron about his background. Ron said, you know what? The manager isn't here, so you'll have to come back later. So Jeff, he checked that dealership's website and guess what he found out? Ron was the manager. Mm. He, he was just getting him out of the way. So he visited the second location, was told that if he wanted to sell Mercedes, he should first apply at the Buick dealer down the road and then call later after he's proven himself with Buick. So at the third location, Jack, the manager said that he wasn't qualified, but he would pay his own, if he could pay his own way to the upcoming sales training class, you know, he would have a chance. So he did it. Jeff was so determined. He paid the $403. He took the class and received the highest grade that you could possibly receive. He had the highest grade in the class. Wow. And the instructor was so impressed that he contacted, he contacted Jack at the dealership recommending that Jeff be hired. So today, Jeffrey Twiggs, my brother, is a top producing Mercedes-Benz salesman. Wow. Atlanta, Georgia. That's, that's a true story? That is a true story. Wow. <laughs> Absolutely. He had the audacity to think that he could just walk into a Mercedes-Benz dealership with no car experience at all. And guess what? He, he's doing it. He's making it happen. You know, when times got lean uh, because of the pandemic, 
They, they made some cuts, but guess what? They didn't cut him. Mm. High performer. Wow. He was a high performer and he was able to achieve something that most people would tell you is impossible. So here's the key. Here's the key to achieving the impossible. Uh-oh, uh-oh. That's it, Ed, you know how we do. This is, yeah. <laughs> this this is, is where you moment. need to lean in. Yes, like, this, this is where, you, if you're on the treadmill and you're listening to me right now, you need to press pause. Mm -hmm. You're in the car, you need to pull over to the side of the road, make sure you're focused. On what Put I'm the ham sandwich down. Yeah, Put yeah. the ham sandwich yeah. down, Rick. If you, I don't care how good it is, this is the time you want to stop chewing. More listening, less chewing right now. That's right. So he, here's here's the key. The, we're talking about the key to achieving the impossible. Mm. That's the key. Ready? Here we go. It's knowing that the right mindset mm. is your greatest asset. Mm. Mm. Love it. Mm. You have to know that. You have to know that the, your greatest asset is your mindset. Wow. So, for example, for example, like you, like you have to have a certain mindset to run 14 marathons, right? We, we could agree Great, with that. Crazy right? mindset. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Having run one myself, you have to have a certain mindset to, yeah. to run a marathon. You, you have to have a certain mindset to bike in a 206 mile race. 206, wow. You need to have in, a certain in one, mindset. In one day. Yeah, right, wow. at one time. You have to have a certain mindset to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Now, the good news is our guest has done each of those things. Wow, right? <laughs> right, so, and, and he talks about purpose and helping people to achieve their goals but it, but it really starts with your mindset. It starts with how you think. And it starts with how you look at things that everybody would tell you is impossible. Yeah. All right, so let, let's go ahead and introduce our guest and let's find out how he did all of these outstanding things. But get this, Ted. He wrote his purpose statement as a 26-year-old mm. and has been perfecting his goal accomplishment system for over 50 years. Wow. So he, I mean, he must have he had to have started as like a one-year-old or something. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, man. <laughs> that's the only way to explain that. <laughs> that. That's incredible. So he's achieved success in all areas of his life. Like I said, he's run 14 marathons. He actually qualified for the 2003 Boston Marathon. He, along with his family, they climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. He biked the 206-mile race in one day. It's just amazing. He's the founder of a coaching company, Continuous Improvement for Life, otherwise known as CI for Life, and he helps others to achieve their goals and dreams. Wow. He also has the CI for Life podcast that he's got like 50, he's done 50 episodes or so, and he's already gotten 27,000 downloads. Wow. He is somebody. Oh, Rick, you are someone, somebody. <laughs> Gee. You guys make me sound like I'm somebody. Man. <laughs> you're like, you're like, man, I want to meet this guy right here. He sounds like a pretty cool guy. 
Hey, but seriously, Eric and Ted, on your brother's story, Eric, that, that is amazing self-determination, believing in yourself, right? Yeah. Willing to pay the expense to get trained and believe in yourself that you can do it. That's huge. But in the change business, so I two years ago, I retired from a full-time career in management consulting, change consulting with a medium-sized consulting company. I was a CEO. And we used to say, it takes three things for change. First one is mindset, as you've talked about. The second one is skill set. And the third one is the tool set. So if you can get all three things lined up, now that training course could have been called a tool or a skill, right? You get all three things lined up. And you can be successful at any endeavor. You get the right mindset. You get the right tools in place because there's some things we don't know, right? Even a, even a professional golfer or or a baseball player, basketball player, they need a coach, they need insights on, you know, how to uh, shoot the free throw right, or how to swing the golf club right. And so we all need insights about the right skills and tools, but you put those three things together, you can accomplish great things in your life, but it does start with mindset. No, that's a great point. Mindset, tool set, and skill set. That's one of those tweetable things that everybody should take note of. Oh, yeah. And but your brother did all three things in that example. So well done. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But that's just how he's, I know him. That That's just how he's wired. He's not going to ask his friend, oh, you know, you think I should go for it? He's just going to do it and see what happens. Yeah. yeah. Is, that, that, is, is that something that's in, like in DNA? Is that something that's just like, kind of like in the family? Yeah, I mean, because my, my dad is like that and I'm like that too. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like you. You just kind of go for it and see yeah. what happens. Good so, stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so please again join me in welcoming to the Thirty Minute Hour Podcast, Rick Halen. Thank you, thank you. Very, very kind of you to have me on today. It's it's a real pleasure meeting you. Yeah, well, for sure, for sure. It is an honor to have you on our podcast, and I like to really have everybody understand the full backstory. I, I'm gonna start from the beginning. You know, like, like during your childhood years, what was it that you wanted to be when you grew up? Well, I, I mean, I can remember, I had a childhood memory book and the first one was fireman. And uh, second one was a uh, ball player. And it started with baseball player and then basketball player, but I'm only five foot 10, so I could only take that so far. And then it was, um, my mother, my mother started, a, and, and well, I'm 59 and a half, and my mother at nine years old started me on goal setting. She had a chart on this, we call it cupboard number two in our small home, and she would have the 10 things I need to do that week for allowance by Monday to Friday, and I had to have these checks, and I can't remember, it was 75% of it, but it was easy stuff as a nine-year-old, right? It was brush your teeth, make your bed, don't fight with anybody, and play with your little sister because she needed help with my younger sister who's eight years younger, right? So I had to do these things. So that got me kind of in a goal framework kind of mindset. And then as a teenager, when I started to think more seriously about a career, uh, my dad had done an undergrad, the first one in his family, first one in his family is to get a master's degree in education. So I watched him and then a PhD eventually. So I watched that and I said, okay, education, and then she would pay me on part of these gold charts as a 17 year old where I wasn't clear on what I wanted to do. Uh, I actually didn't get very good grades in high school. 
but she would pay me to go to these motivational speakers. Like I would get, I can't remember, it was probably only two bucks or something like that in 1977 or whatever. And she would pay me to go to a speaker. It might've been a spiritual speaker at church. It might've been a motivational speaker. I remember uh, listening before podcasts uh, to a talk uh, by Stephen, Dr. Stephen R. Covey, the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective. And it had a massive influence on my brain for whatever point I was ready. And so then it was, I wanted to be a speaker of some sort. I didn't, I thought that meant teacher. Um, and so that was actually my first job out of undergrad. Um, but I, I knew kind of that's where I kind of landed. I wanted to teach. I could articulate a thought, but I didn't really know what that meant or I didn't know about consulting at the time. So that's kind of my progression on what I, but I had a small problem with that, Eric and Ted, in that at nine year old, no, it was probably when I was 11 or 12 in Sunday school, I stood up to give my two and a half minute talk and they made, you know, made you practice. And it was actually in front of a fairly large group. It was a few hundred people and the kids were at the front and I was about two minutes into my two and a half minute talk. And I don't even remember the topic, but all of a sudden the kids at the front couple of pews were snickering and laughing. Mm. And I, you know, I kind of looked up and I was reading this thing. I, I was super nervous. And so, but I noticed them snickering and all of a sudden a gentleman tapped me on the shoulder at about the two minute marker, just about done the whole thing. I was just about relieved to have this thing finished. And he taps me on the shoulder and says, it's not your turn oh. <laughs> down. <laughs> and I, I died that day. I mean, I was super, I didn't know how to handle that as a 12 year old. And uh, so what I had to do was sit down, they did a congregational hymn, and then I had to get up. Oh. And I didn't know how to make a joke out of it or anything or laugh or smile. And so I basically just read this thing for two and a half minutes and sat down. And I told my mom right there, I'm never going to give another talk again. And I'm never going to go to church again about and both of those things turned out to be lies. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's funny. Oh, man. Funny. So that was embarrassing. So that was a bit of a setback on that road to eventually wanting to be a teacher or a speaker. I think, we, I, think we, I think we've all had one of those childhood kind of uh, setbacks, man, when they, they got you to go up front. Of it. But I think mine was I was in a choir as a child and don't ask me why in a church program, the song I had to sing was I Gotta Be Me. Nice. And and I had to get up in front of everyone and sing this song. And, you know, after a thousand times of practicing it, I got up there and I think I, you know, I kind of, kind of screwed it up a little bit and they had to restart it. And it just seemed like the world just paused, like everyone was looking at me during that time. So, but I recovered, I recovered. And like you, I still go to church as well. So it didn't totally <laughs> me. It was a temporary setback, but it was a setback. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's interesting. Like when you're younger, you don't have that. Like now you think, okay, hey, look, if I fail, that's just a part of it. And that's. Well, you I'll make a like joke that. out of it and move on. You know, right, you don't right. composure. Right. At that time, it's the end of the world. If you're 12, that's you're like, oh my God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. <laughs> so, so if you could go back to that time, like with the knowledge you have now, what, what advice would you give to yourself? You know, um, I apply this even to, I have six kids and 15 grandkids. And so I apply this even to parenting work. Uh, the advice I would give my younger self is to relax, chill out, 
It's going to happen. Follow the process, whatever you believe the process to be. Keep learning. Keep growing. That's the kind of core ingredient in this whole thing. And it's going to work. It's going to work as a parent. It's going to work as a somebody that's trying to earn a living for their family. It's going to work in your but you got to trust the process and chill out. It's when we get too uptight, too overworked. Oh my goodness, my kid's never going to make it or I'm never going to make it or whatever it might be uh, that we, when, we, when we show that kind of stress and consternation, it, it, it's not fluid and we're not in flow. And people, it's not attractive to people. It's not attractive to your kids. It's not attractive to your employees when you're stressing out. You want that goal so bad. You want to make... That next hundred thousand, next million, whatever it might be, whatever your goal in business is, when you're uh, too uptight, you're not in flow, and you're not you're not going to do it. And people around you won't want to follow you. So, I would tell my younger self, whether it be the misstep at speaking or my younger self as a parent of young children, which I'm not anymore, just relax, trust the process, go with the flow. That combination of striving for something is powerful but also the combination of just sitting in the moment and enjoying it and enjoying what does end up happening, whether it be a failure or a setback or a win. And if you can get to that mindset, speaking of mindset, Eric, uh, you're going to be pretty powerful and somebody that uh, people are going to want to follow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I mean, it's interesting. If you look at elite performers, especially like in sports, like the coaches that they preach, they preach the process. Like they're, they're, they're more concerned about how you do certain things, right? They just drill the process and, and it just so happens as a result, they, they win a lot. Right. You look at UCLA, John Wooden back in the day, you even look at LeBron James today. How much mindset work does he do? He's actually on the, uh, the meditation app I use every morning for 10 minutes. He's on there. He's got his own mindset uh, working on the, the app called Calm. So yeah, there's, a, there's something to this idea of flow. Yep. And not being overstressed, but not over relaxed. You know what I mean? There's that middle point uh, mm-hmm. as a parent, as a leader, as an individual that that can really work for you. Um, and the process is every. If you start to enjoy the process, like look at us as podcasters. You know, it's not perfect overnight, and you don't get a million subscribers tomorrow. You don't get. A, but if you work the process, focus on getting a little bit better every day, which is key to life, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, you will get there eventually uh, with the kind of determination and, and the uh, other ingredients that your brother showed in that one example. So yeah, the process is everything. Trust it, enjoy it. Uh, don't wait. If you're just waiting till you graduate, if you're just waiting till you earn your first quarter of a million dollars, if you're just waiting, you're not going to be a happy person. Mm-hmm. But if you can enjoy the process of every day, the grind, the learnings. I mean, one of my heroes is Nelson Mandela. I lived in South Africa for two years. President of South Africa revolutionized the country through peaceful forgiveness, all those good traits that we love. I mean, he has a saying that I love. He, he used to say, he's passed now, but he used to say, I never lose. I either win or learn. Mm-hmm. And if you can get to that mindset, yeah. you're going to be successful at your chosen goals. Guaranteed. Wow. I never lose. This guy was in prison for 29 years. Amazing. I never lose. 
Wow. It, you, you're either learning or you're winning. And if you look forward to that at the end of every day or the beginning of the next, when you plan your next day, what did I learn yesterday? How did I win yesterday? Focus on, get your brain focused on what the good things are. I call it gratitude or blessings. And then focus on, okay, there was a setback. Don't be ignorant. Don't be Pollyanna. You also got to acknowledge and then learn from that. Oh my goodness. You're going to, there's a real hero, Nelson Mandela. Then you're going to get close to, you're going to get five levels below hero status because uh, that's where Nelson Mandela got to, right? Yeah, I mean, like he's one of these people in history. I would just like to have sat down and just talked to him for 15 minutes because yeah. I, I just don't understand how. You talk about mindset. I mean, it's like, like he was interviewed, right? And, and the reporter asked him, you know, how did you survive so long in jail? I mean, you were unjustly incarcerated. How did you survive so long? And he says, oh, no, I wasn't surviving. I was preparing. Wow. Learning and preparing. Wow. Oh, no, I was preparing. Wow. Just an, just an amazing person. I mean, my good, but that's a, but Rick, that means. 29 years preparing. What's that? 29 years. 29 years. Oh, sure. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's a great example of somebody applying the process. Yeah. So, so you write your, your life purpose statement at age 26. So what, what experiences up to that point inspired you to say, hey, you know what, I need to write my life purpose down? Great question. So I, I'm a big believer out of setbacks come learning and potential life-changing events. If you don't put your head in the sand, if you don't go woe is me, you take self-responsibility and you try to learn from it. So I, after my undergrad, I taught for a couple of years on a, on a um, Native American reserve in, a, in Southern Alberta called the Blood Reserve. I loved it. I knew I wanted to do something different. So I applied to some MBA programs, got in one in Eastern Canada. And uh, I had a, a wife and two children at the time at 26. So I moved them across the country away from everything we knew, every, everything that was comfortable, everybody that was comfortable. It was a big move for us. And I was the oldest and she was second oldest. So we, we were kind of the first to leave. And so it was kind of a big traumatic event. And, School started September 4th or early September anyhow. And so I got into it and I knew I, I knew I was the youngest and least experienced person in that room. So I had to work. And uh, so I, I just doubled down on effort. And I got to my first, I remember it as if it was today, it was like late October, a uh, couple months in, I got my first big exam back in economics and I got a C minus and it was the lowest grade in the class. And it was like, holy and, you know, I'm going through this trauma. I've just moved my family across. Have I done the right thing? Is this, the, you know, is this too hard for me? Uh, can I handle this? Am I not smart enough? All those things that we worry about in the, in the face of failure. So I had this little mini crisis. And I remember, remember the speakers that my mom paid me to go to as part of my goal chart. One of them was Stephen R. Covey in Seven Habits. And habit two is begin with the end in mind and have a mission statement. So I thought, you know, <laughs> I'm desperate here. I'm going to try anything at this point. So uh, that weekend in our unfinished basement, I told Cheryl, hey, I'm going to need a few hours on Friday night, Saturday and Sunday to kind of work this through. And I did the best I could at kind of crafting. I asked, you know, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Um, how do I want to be remembered? Some basic questions that are actually now part of the process that I prescribe others. Um, and I came up with a draft statement about, they had words in it like continuous improvement. And I want to be able to help myself and my family and those in my circle of influence. And 
words like that. And I felt really good about it. It instilled some confidence in me, but no like flashing lights and no, oh my goodness, I was changed forever. Nothing like that happened. I think it did give me a measure of confidence that I had something kind of who I wanted to be, not just based on history, but as I looked forward. So it gave me a little bit of confidence. And then if I skip forward and finish, well, not finish the story, but kind of tell you a first step in that story, a year and a half later when we're applying for jobs, I picked up my grades a little bit, but you know, no one was gonna confuse me to be the valedictorian of the MBA class. And, um, but did okay and, and started to apply for jobs and nothing looked really good, nothing spoke to me. Started to remember my uh, purpose statement, mission statement. And um, all of a sudden a posting went up one day uh, and I didn't, uh, I didn't apply to any other job. And it was this consulting company and I didn't really understand what consulting was at the time in 1987. And uh, uh, it said, beyond consulting, uh, pick up where traditional strategic consulting stops, help companies and people improve, uh, action orientation, continuous improvement. And it's like, what? This is like the words I wrote a year and a half before to give me comfort and some direction on who I wanted to be. Wow. And so I applied for that thing and I stopped applying for everything else. Well, that's not true. I applied for a, a university job to teach back in my hometown of Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada. And, uh, and so uh, this posting came back and I can't remember if it was you know 10 days later or whatever. I ran to the recruiting board and it wasn't automated back then. And had to go to the board, just like remember when you're drafted or cut from teams, <laughs> at it, 10 interviews and my name's not on it. And I'm going, what the heck? There must be some kind of mistake. Yeah. So I picked up the recruiter in Western Canada and I said, you know, um, this is Rick Highland applied for this job. Oh yeah, Mr. Highland, you didn't quite have the experience. And, and uh, some of the other candidates, oh, I mean, you were really good, but you didn't have the experience and blah, right. blah, blah. And I said, well, you don't understand. And so I told him a little bit about the story of my mission statement and purpose statement. I use those two terms interchangeably, by the way. And, um, and so the recruiter said, okay, kid, sounds interesting. You got a little uh, chutzpah and bravado, kind of like your brother did there, Eric. So she said, all right, um, one of the managing partners is coming by on X date. Uh, we've already posted the list. Uh, write in number 11, I'll phone the university, tell them it's legit, put your name on it. It was at 5 p.m., the last interview of the day. So long story short, uh, I went to the interview, told them about my passion and purpose. The interview went great. I was the only one that got the job. And uh, wow. it was just, you know, and career is only one aspect and benefit of living with purpose. Mm. But for me, it was like, wow. It was a home run that I articulated who I wanted to be. And then I went out and found it. But that's one of the benefits to living a purpose-filled life. But to answer your question, Eric, that's how I found it. And it was like, a, at the, at the time, it was a lifesaver for me. It sent me on this. And I stayed with that company for 32 years. I eventually was the second largest shareholder and the COO. And I started at the very base level. But it's one of the benefits of living with purpose. You can be super intentional on what to say yes to and then what to say no to. And you're super focused on, hey, my life is continuous improvement. I dedicated my life in 1987 to continuous improvement. And it really all came with that little mini crisis of, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up? <laughs> wow. Wow. Interesting. 
So you see, you mentioned the idea of what, what do I want to be when I grow up and write in your purpose statement. What, what advice do you have for that follower we may have who they don't know what they want to be when they grow up? Well, what, yeah. what steps can they take to find out? Yeah, that, and that's why I retired from full-time consulting and started this coaching company called CI for Life. And the first thing I did during the pandemic was write a book called Live Your Purpose, a step-by-step -step guide to living your best life. And the whole first third of the book is the what, why, and how of purpose. And I, I share this story I should share with you in there. And then chapter four has what I call a triple seven process, seven questions, takes seven hours over seven days. I, I think you need reflection and urgency to pull this type of really thoughtful work together. So that's exactly my whole, uh, or part of my purpose today is how can I get as many people and as many walks of life really understanding. And when I wrote the book, all of a sudden I'm reading research paper after re psychology. Now all these papers, uh, people are LinkedIn. I mean, all these things are, oh, yeah, man, there's great value to purpose. And, and one of them, by the way, that kept coming out is the health benefits of living with purpose. When you're living with purpose that you, you uh, the research shows you have less medical costs, you have less health problems, and you live longer. And that's, so I talked about career. The research papers are talking about the, the health benefits also of living with purpose. So yeah, but I, and my, my passion in life is, I believe we're all motivated. We just need a little help on how and the right mindset. So that's the skill set, tool set, and the mindset. If we can get that, like, I'll give you another example. So I read this 90 page book in July 12th called, it was something like, 90 days to write a book. And I'd always thought about writing a book ever since I, you know, kind of thought about those speakers as a teenager, but I was too nervous. I wasn't that great a writer. Um, and then I wrote this book on July 12th of 2020 that said how to write a book in 90 days. And all of a sudden it clicked. It just switched in my brain. It showed me editors that could take my ideas and, and grammar them. It showed me desktop publishers that I could hire and work on the cover. And, and all these subcontractors and basically gave me the how, a kind of blueprint, if you will, to take my ideas on purpose, goals, and uh, stress management and put them together in this book called Live Your Purpose. So once it clicked, once I had uh, the right mindset, tool set, and skill set, it was actually easy. I wrote the book and published it in 82 days on Amazon. That was the easy part. I just needed somebody to give me the how. And so that's what I've tried to do on uh, purpose and goal setting and stress management for a successful life and career is just give people a little bit of why it's so important and then a lot of how. Okay. And, and then, so, so what is your, there's all kinds of systems for setting goals. We're all familiar with SMART and all of that. And, and this is the yeah. time of year where everybody's thinking about their goal. Mm -hmm. uh, so so what's, your, what's your system? for goal if somebody wants to set goals how what's the best way to do that so i i think because of my 32 years in in uh, practice and consulting and probably my upbringing I, I think in steps i think if people know the steps they can pull off the bad statistics around goal setting and these goal setting ones are personal uh goal setting and but the same thing can be done for organizational um so you know the stats stats say that new year's resolution we only accomplish nine percent of them <laughs> the stats say that goals, we only accomplish 20% of them. So my passion in life 
is to help businesses and individuals bust through and understand the how. So I actually just put up on Teachable uh, my masterclass on crush your goals for small business. And I haven't done it yet for personal goals, but I've got lots of blogs and it's in this book here, the seven steps for accomplishing goals. And yeah, smart goals is step four. Um, and that's, but that's only one. There's a whole bunch of pre-work before that and after that to really accomplish goals. And I'll give you a, a few more of them, Eric, to your question. You know, the first one I think is to do, whether you're an organization or a person, is to do a real quick SWOT analysis. Do a real quick inventory of your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So whether you're talking about nine people in a boardroom for an organization or you as an individual, but it's gotta be written down either on the computer or in your journal or wherever, write down, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What opportunities do I see out there based on my strengths and based on the environment out there? And then what threats do I see out there to my success? And when you do an honest assessment on that, it starts you on a path of successful goal achievement. The second step, not surprisingly, whether you're an organization or a per, uh, individual, is to tie to purpose. And so that's why I'm so passionate about people understanding the seven questions, the seven hours and the seven days to get to purpose. Because one of the reasons goal setting is not successful is it's not tied to a greater purpose. And if you really articulate your purpose, uh, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, if you can articulate, because in the purpose statement is usually your values as well, whether it be creativity, whether it be giving back, whether it be emotional wealth, whatever's in, what are the values are articulated in your purpose, then you've got goals to set. Because if you just set goals and they're not tied to your greater purpose, you're going to give up quicker than those it's tied to purpose. You're going to take setbacks as something that, you know, oh, I'll go focus on something else. So those are two of them, Eric. And then, you, yeah, you get to eventually, okay, how do I articulate, take that purpose and develop some smart goals, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and trackable, timely. How do I get those set? And then I'll just mention one more there, uh, but you can see more details in the, in the book. But then the real nugget for businesses and for individuals is that's not good enough to say, hey, I'm going to lose 20 pounds or I'm going to be a better spouse or I'm going to earn X number of dollars or save X number of dollars, whatever the goal might be. That's interesting. That's intentionality. That's good. I'm not taking anything away from that. But the real magic happens when you identify a leading indicator, which is step five. And what are the practices, behaviors, activities, the process, right? What's the process to get to that lagging indicator? So if it's a marathon, which we talked about earlier, and Eric, you did one, so you know this, what's the leading indicator that predict whether I can survive 26 miles? Well, one of them is you actually got to do endurance work. So Every Saturday, and you look this up, you can Google it on the internet. Every Saturday, you got to increase mileage. Let's say, let's say the longest you've done is three or four miles in your life. When I started, by the way, it was one mile. So I had to start from one. But you increase 10% each Saturday for X number of Saturdays till you can get to about 80%, till you get to about 22, 23 miles. And then you take a two week break and you run your big crash or 26.1. So there is a formula, there's science behind it, but the, one of the leading indicators, and there's lots more in marathon riding, you gotta do speed work on Monday and you gotta build your speed work and capacity that way. 
but there's a whole bunch of very interesting leading. And that's the process. And you find the same thing in small business. You find the same thing in weight loss management. You find the same thing in spiritual development. You find the leading indicator and you put it in specific measurable terms. You track it, you share it with others, your trusted advisors, you're going to, you're going to accomplish your goals. So that's, that's in, in essence, what, what's in that seven steps of goal achievement, but it starts with tying it to your greater purpose so that you stay motivated and stay on track. Is, does that make sense? Any comments or questions on that? Outbursts? <laughs> you just got me over here taking notes. <laughs> you, you'll be teaching. <laughs> now, now, I was going to say, so, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the leading indicator piece, because that's something I work with people on as well, too. So as they set a goal, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. But what are you going to do daily? What do you plan to do weekly? And what do you plan to do monthly? And if I'm focusing with them, I'm like, okay, did you do which, did you do that thing? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Eric, you you bring a great point in the last couple points in the seven steps. And A, um, you have to have a rhythm of accountability with a trusted partner, right? Mm. So, which means you got to track it and share it. We don't, none of us can do this alone. You know, I tried to improve my golf game for a couple of years without a coach. I put practice in now that I retired from full time work and started this little coaching company. I put practice in, I wasn't getting any better. I got two lessons. I improved five strokes in a season and it's like, no, six strokes. So with the right deliberate practice, which deliberate is the key word. So you've got to have the right insights. So the right mindset, tool set, and skill set. When you, when I understood the right rotation on a golf swing, then I put that to practice game over, but I was doing the sloppy rotation. I wasn't getting any better. And that's to your point, Eric, we all need coaches, whether you're the uh, elite, I mean, elite athletes, every one of them has a coach, every sport, every, right? And we want to be good, good and competent and maybe even elite at something. So get a coach, get a trusted partner, get accountability in your life that, you know, and, and some of it's not all good news, right? We don't crush all our goals overnight every, every time. That's real world. And part of uh, and, and one of the steps in there, Eric, step six is the action plan. It's a goal without an action plan is a wish. It's an intention, which gives you something, but it doesn't give you gravitas. It doesn't. So you got to sit down and be honest with yourself and then present that to your coach monthly or whatever rhythm you have. Here's the five things I committed to do for my weight loss, for my business development. And I committed to do 10 sales calls per day. And I've only been doing five. And I got to pick it up. Trusted advisor, coach, any other tips for me? And you got to be super self-responsible and honest. But I promise you, if you get a trusted advisor or a coach involved, you're going to see your results skyrocket. If you are lagging, sorry, bad term, if you are suffering from some of the 9 or 20% goal accomplishment, you add deliberate practice, as Jeff Colvin calls it in Talent is Overrated, um, you put deliberate, meaning coached or, or the right kind of practice in place through a trusted advisor, you're going to get the kind of acceleration in your goals that you want. And I'm not just talking sports here. I'm talking any of the balanced set of goals, right? Spiritual, physical, emotional, mental, financial, school, you name it. Get some coaching, get the right kind of trusted advisor 
for accountability and insight and expert insight. Because, right, the golf coach, he could have held me accountable all day long to get out there and practice. I wasn't going to get any better. But when he taught me the right hip rotation, lights up. Wow. That's interesting. Coaching, the right that. kind of coaching is everything, Eric, to your point. That's interesting that you say that. I, I listen to people all the time and various kind of business ventures that I'm a part of. And it, it's really easy to, to put that goal number out there. Yeah. Right, we're going to do X amount of money. And then everybody's on board with, yep, we're going to do it. And it's like, you know, well, well how are we going to get there? And at that point, it's kind of like, you know, we're just going to get there. We're confident. We have faith and we're going to do it. And then, you know, three months go by and you're like, you know, what's going on, right? You know, do we want to, you know, we want to relook at the goal or what? You yeah, know, yeah. it's like, yeah, and I think, you know, it's easy to set it, but to think of, okay, what's that next step? What's the how, I think is key and what those kind of actionable items yeah, well, are. And right on. And I don't want to discourage people from setting those big, hairy, audacious goals. Those are, that's powerful. The intention gives you something, but to your point, Ted, it doesn't give you everything. So if you're discouraged about goal setting in your personal life or your business, put the whole system to work. Don't give up on it. I have so many people say, oh, I tried and it just doesn't work for me. That's because you don't know the how. You don't know the whole system. If you put the whole system in place, you put specific action plans with what, who, and when, and then you get visibility to those goals, to your trusted partners, advisors, or coaches, you're going to get phenomenal results and by the way uh oh man you guys got me excited and jacked up now <laughs> here's another key for people that have been discouraged about goal setting either uh small business or personal focus on the gain not the result mm. what do i mean by that you guys probably know but if i set a goal to improve 20 percent in sales or improve 20 percent in my capability to do anything, whatever it is. Um, that's, that's gives you something, gives you something. You got an intentionality out there. You put it out there and you were, you, you might've been 120% committed to 10th point, but you have to put those action plans behind it. You have to build the accountability partners behind it. And um, then you're going to see some magic in your life. But even then focus on the gain. So why I always tell people in their personal goals, organizational goals, put in there also a baseline. Think about whether it's on a, a, a graph or even in a spreadsheet or even in your company uh, CRM or whatever you have to track your goals, put in a baseline. For example, let me give you an example. So guy comes to me the other day and says, you know, I, I set that goal with you to do, and he's coming back on his monthly report. You know, uh, I think it was seven cold calls a day. And I only did four and he started to, to berate himself. And I said, well, what was your average before one? I said, David, dude, you, yeah, you, you want to get to seven to hit your goals. Absolutely. Don't give up on that. But you got four and you were doing one. We should be throwing a party. We should be having a cell. Where's the confetti? I mean, what's the percentage improvement on that? Yeah. Blow your mind. Boom. And uh, so once he made that mindset shift, he saw that it was extraordinary performance and it gave him energy to keep moving, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe next week he only got three and then the following week he got seven 
And then he started to move to eight, nine, and 10. And then he figured out how to way to subcontract some of that to others. And so he got 20 and he had to set a, renew, a new goal. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, focus on the gain. Don't get bogged down. Well, I'm not there yet. I'm not running a four minute mile or I'm not running my marathon yet or I haven't lost my, I mean, I get the same people in, in weight loss, right? Oh man, I wanted to lose 10 pounds and I've only lost two. Well, you've lost two. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, it's, look, it's better, it's better to lose two than gain two. Yeah, yeah, you've lost two. You figure something else out. Yeah. Use that energy, use that learning, and keep learning, keep learning. Don't get discouraged. Because what happens when we when we get discouraged, right? We gain five, mm. right? And same thing in business and sales. All of a sudden, we were doing seven, we were doing four, and then we're not doing any at all because we're so down on ourselves and discouraged. So discouragement is a brutal tool in goal setting. So you got to have mindset skill set tool set practices in your quiver that once you get a little bit of resistance and headwind you've got to have the right tools and skills and and one of those is to focus on the game wow no that's great right i've never heard it put, put that way but that is very important though because it's it's easy you know even if you're if you're leading people to beat people up until they get to the goal as yeah. opposed to recognizing that hey yeah the goal is 80 percent but you, you, you've improved, but 30%. So we need to celebrate that. Now, we're yeah. not there yet, but hey, we need to celebrate the progress you've made. Yeah. And it'll give people energy. You know, yeah. I used to listen to Ken Blanchard, One Minute Manager. He's in San Diego and used to have these little teeny books. And one of his stories when Training Wells was in, uh, in vogue, uh, he's, one of the stories was, and you could use a dolphin or whatever it might be, but you know, you don't go, when you're training somebody, you don't, Shamu or, you know, the dolphin or whatever, you don't go underneath, you don't go, you know, 40 feet up in the air with a rope and then the first uh, dolphin or whale that does the correct, you give a whole bunch of fish. It ain't going to happen. Nothing's going to happen, right? You set your bar high, but you start underneath the water with that rope. And the first time uh, the animal swims over, there's reward, there's instant reward, right? Positive, immediate, and certain rewards. And fish, 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 fish. And then you slowly start gradually raising the rope to where it's exceptional performance. But you don't start way up there and then beat, mm. beat people down when they don't get way up there. You mm. start here. Use positive recognition in your company and in your life and in your family as a motivator to get there. Not as a tool, a weaponized tool that once people achieve it, because then you've, take, you've taken that weapon, you've taken that tool out of your toolkit. When you're only, when I'm raising my teenage son, my wife comes to me in the bathroom one day, he's 35 and got his own company and doing well right now. So they, I'll tell you the end of the story. But she comes to me when he's about 16 and his grades aren't what it could be. And dad's got high expectations. Stop me if this sounds familiar. And um, she says, Rick, do you know Every time you talk to him, and this is hard for me to even uh, remind myself of the story, but every time you talk to him, you're talking negatively to him. I know you think you're encouraging him and coaching him, but you're, you're breaking him down. Well, he's not, he doesn't have grades and he's not helping around in the house. And blah, blah. He says, well, why don't you practice what you preach? Mm. You tell companies to use positive recognition as a tool to help get progress going not just the end result and it was a complete mindset 
for me, but I needed a trusted partner. I knew the idea. I taught it for a living for Pete's sake. But when a trusted partner came in and, you know, gave me that right in the head and I had that mindset shift, uh, my relationship with him and my ability to help him and to motivate him changed dramatically once I had that mindset change. And because I knew the skills, it wasn't that I didn't have the skill. I taught it for Pete's sake, (laughs) but it was the mindset. I, I thought it was helping but I wasn't using positive recognition for progress. And that's another, if your listeners could use that in their families and their small businesses and their organizations and their relationships, you're gonna find your ability to influence go up exponentially. Wow, no, that's just great stuff, great stuff. So you, you've got the Continuous Improvement for Life coaching company. And in addition to that, you've got the podcast that goes with that as well. So, so on the podcast, the Continuous Improvement for Life podcast, what, what can people expect when they tune in? Well, first of all, I want to have you guys on it. And I want to talk about procrastination because that's a big one for people. Um, but yeah, I, anything that's around personal or professional development, anything that's going to help small business improve and anything that's going to help individuals improve to meet their goals. Exactly what we've been talking about today. So, you know, I've done several sessions, several episodes that, yeah, I have, uh, I just looked it up. I've done 65 now and have uh, 30,000, just over 30,000, 30.5 thousand downloads. And um, uh, I've been doing since January 1, because I, we love goal setting, right? I've been doing uh, goal setting for small business and goal setting for person. And there's a lot of cool uh, insights that my guests have been sharing around small business. It's called Crush Your Goals for Small Business or just Crush Your Goals. And so I have a Facebook site on those same names as well. But it's all about lately anything that's going to help people accomplish their goals. But in general, over the 65 episodes, to answer your question, it's anything like I've got a gratitude podcast. I've got a, a innovation too on innovation for business podcasts. So anything under the umbrella of continuous improvement for the individual or the company. Um, that's, that's in my genre. That's in uh, what the listeners are looking for. So, so you've done 65 episodes again, congratulations. Sounds yeah. like it's a massive success. If you could only recommend one episode to somebody out of all 65, which one mm-hmm. would it be and why? Well, um, man, yeah, it's like trying to pick your kids, right? But um, <laughs> so I'm going to go to one of the recent ones, uh, episode 64. Um, my, the two pockets of interest I get in my material are the 30 to 35 group that's 25 to 35 that's trying to figure it out and be intentional and live yeah, their best that, life. That, that's, that's me. That's, that's, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you too, gentlemen. Yeah. And then closer to my group. Yeah. I get uh, the kind of 45 to 55 to 60 group that's made some money, had some success, but they know there's some more meaning out there. And so those are my two groups. So on episode 64, I had my brother, who's a couple years younger than me, Dr. Darren Highland, who's an internist, but he's also into the power of goal setting and he's done lots of critical care and help patients get better. And then I had uh, uh, Jill Christensen, who's a small business owner, who's 35-ish, on and uh, along with myself, we the three of us shared 
our learnings from last year on goal setting and some honest stuff about stuff we didn't accomplish and why, kind of the Nelson Mandela idea. And then um, some insights to help people accomplish their goals. And I'm really, that's got a lot of downloads and I'm pretty proud of that episode. So you don't have to go too far back down in the repertoire, but so I would say episode 64. Fantastic, fantastic. Those of you who are watching us and listening to us, make sure you tune in to this podcast episode 64. Uh, closer to the end, we'll have them give them an opportunity to give the links and all that good stuff. So, so when you're not listening and watching the 30-minute hour podcast. Right. right. <laughs> right. When you're looking for another great podcast, because we can't be on every day. Right. Yeah, right. neither can I. We can't be everywhere, right? That's it. That's exactly. it. Exactly. So this, this is a fine podcast to listen Absolutely. To. After your digest 30 minutes, then go to see us tonight. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Awesome. So, so this is the part of the show where we go around the horn. It's around the horn and we talk about what is the, what's the key takeaway? And you can see Ted shaking his head because this is actually, Rick, this is Ted's favorite part, actually. He really Rick, enjoys this. Rick, this is not my favorite <laughs> at all. Rick, because Rick, I've been taking notes, man. I've been in class. Like, class has been in session, man. You have just been dropping just... <laughs> boulder after boulder after boulder and i'm like i'm gonna have to follow this so i'm not looking forward to this <laughs> yeah. yeah so rick i mean you share some great life-changing information but but what what's one final takeaway you want to leave the people with well i want to hear yours too but i i think i'd put it two ways one that purpose isn't that far away give it a try do the seven questions, take less than seven hours. Or In seven days, you will have the confidence of articulated some values and some direction for your life, not just based on past, because we want to be even better than we were 10 years ago, right? That's what this is all about. That's why you have this podcast. That's why I, you know, so what part of the questions also is, you know, trying to articulate your best self. So I have, I just, you know, I know it sounds like a big, kind of scary exercise, but in seven days, you can have articulated something that you can be proud of. It may not be perfect. Don't worry about making it perfect, by the way. Just answer the questions in bullet form. You're gonna come up with something between six and 50 words that's gonna be you, that's gonna help you set goals. It's gonna help you respond better to relationships around you. It's gonna help you say yes to something, no to something. But if that's too big and scary, just do something small. So my, my son-in-law taught me the idea of micro goals. And he was trying to, uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about exercise and he was trying to get into running, but just couldn't move. So Eric, procrastination, right? He just, he just couldn't move. He couldn't get off. He, he heard from Cheryl, and my, my um, wife and I, that we great health and uh, spiritual and psychological benefits from years of doing it, but he couldn't get off the dime. So he set a micro goal, something really small. So, and it was this, three days a week, I'm going to put my gym shorts on and my gym shoes and walk out the door. That was the goal. Wow. That's it. He never said anything about running. He never, his goal was to eventually run three days, three days a week, 20 minutes, right? But that was too scary. I mean, he had that goal. And Ted, to one of your early points about business, I mean, you can have a big goal and still not move, right? So he set this little micro goal in his life that, oh, I'm going to commit to. 
I'm not going to commit to anything else but putting on my shoes. So you know what? The first two days, that's all he did. Wow. He got out the door with his gym strip and his running shoes and, and check mark, confidence, goal accomplished. And then third day, and you know where the story is going to go, that uh, he actually would, he did the 20 minutes and started to build some energy and practice into his life and some confidence to move towards goals. So that's what I would tell people. Sorry, that's a long answer on the second one, but just in any of these areas we've been talking about, just set a little micro goal to get, don't scare your brain. Get, don't scare the Olympics, the fight or flight. Just set a little micro goal in one of these areas of physical, spiritual, financial, and, and get confidence in doing something small. And then you can move on to something bigger. So sorry, that was a long answer. Oh man. Those two thoughts. No, that's great. Set yeah. a micro goal. Wow. All right. Uh, All right, Ted, no pressure. So, yeah, no pressure, man. I mean, again, <laughs> again, again, Rick, you know, you've said you've said so much. Like school has definitely been in session. Um, I guess the thing that kind of resonates with me the most is when you talked about kind of mindset, skill set, tool set. And I think about that, you know, as a, you know, as a business owner and in various positions where I'm trying to motivate sales teams, the, you know, staff to be able to achieve the goals. And, and you're right, you know, just kind of coming in and, you know, kicking and screaming and yelling like that doesn't, doesn't work. Right. You know, and it, it, it might uh, get you a little bit, but it doesn't work long term for sure. No, no, it, 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 re it really, it really doesn't. And so it's, you know, it's it really just kind of focusing on getting, you know, like you said, talking about, you know, just trying to, you know, just get some, some, some movement, you know, just focus on some, some gain. And, you know, and like you said, when you talked about, you know, I guess you said your son and you said, it's just a matter of just kind of putting on the, you know, putting on the shorts and getting started. And, I, and I've been there, right. You know, just trying to get back into working out and it's kind of like like there's not too many times that I put on the gym clothes and then just sat down and watched television like once you put it on like you're you put yourself in that mindset to just do like that's the hardest part is just starting to 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 do and you know and it's just you know I've, I've had so many situations from a you know sales perspective where I, I've listened to you know we're all like yes we're gonna do it we're gonna meet this goal and now it's trying to figure out what is that, okay, the do. Like, what's the thing that we're going to do? I was having a conversation with someone today. Interestingly enough, I could talk about him because I'm sure he's probably not watching this. But <laughs> it was just, we're talking about this goal and saying, yeah, we're going to make this goal for this quarter. And I'm like, okay, like, like how? Like, like, like what is it? And it seemed like at that point, the process started of just trying to to actually think about what the actionable items are going to be. Right but if say, yep, we're going to meet this goal, we're going to do this for this quarter and not, you know, thinking about what that those actionable items are. So I think it's, yeah, the mindset to set the goal, but then also the mindset to determine what are those actionable things that you're going to do that just start moving you toward the goal that's so essential. Well said. Oh, that's great. Yep. Now that that mindset, tool set, skill set. Now that that's fantastic. All right. So my around the horn has to do. We were talking earlier about focusing on the process, and it reminds me of like Nick Saban, the coach of Alabama. Mm. And, and I would 
I watched these interviews. They interview Alabama. And it, what, what amazes me is that everybody in the organization is on the exact same page. Mm. I don't care if it's the water boy. I don't care if it's the starting quarterback. Like, if you ask them, hey, so what do you think your chances are winning the national championship this year? Mm. They're going to put right back to the process. Mm. They're not focused on that. We're focused on the process. We're focused on how we practice it. We're focused on practicing the right way. I mean, to the point where if you hear Nick Saban in an interview and you hear, again, the water boy, <laughs> he's basically, they're, they're saying the same thing. That's just, funny. You know, if you go to Alabama, it's all about the process. Yeah. And there's no accident that they win so much. Yeah. Yeah, Eric, just a point on that. Uh, I had a middle linebacker for Brigham Young University, BYU, the local university here that I follow. And, um, and I've heard Alabama say that, trust the process all the time. But there's even a process inside each position, right, that mm. Nick Saban has articulated. This is the drills and the process for middle linebackers. This is the drills and the process for defensive ends. And yes, it all rolls up to the game plan for the entire team. But this middle linebacker for BYU is telling me that one of his leading indicators was shoulder tilt. When he read the play as an outside linebacker, OLB, and he had his, so he could contain outside leverage with the right shoulder tilt, he was able to shed blockers better in order to make the play, right? Wow. And I'm going, that's like a micro level of detail I didn't even know existed. Wow. wow. But I can guarantee you Nick Saban in Alabama, Crimson Tide, has that level of leading indicators in the process by position that wow. if you're great at defensive ends you're going to know the right leverage hand position everything wow. right amazing and i'd be willing to bet they could be winning but if you're not doing the show <laughs> he's gonna be all over you oh yeah oh yeah wow. gonna, like you would think you were losing and he's gonna be all over you if you keep no doubt. The oh yeah but, but no i think there's a lesson there though. I, I, I think you can apply that to whatever you do if you really focus on the process that result's going to come Oh yeah, no question. Yeah, for sure, for sure, man. This one, this is one of those episodes, Rick. I could talk about this stuff all day. Yeah, like, this, this is, would be like a three-hour podcast. But, this is money. Yeah. <laughs> but, but no, this, this is this is fantastic. So, so Rick, why don't you share with the people how they can best connect with you? Yeah, just get on my. I'm actually doing a makeover on my website right now, but everything's still functional. So, if you go to ci for life, the number for life.org ciforlife.org, all abbreviated there, just the letters. It doesn't have to be capitalized, www.ciforlife.org. You can see any of the tools we've talked about, whether it be the book, whether it be um, the Crush Your Goals for Small Business, it'll link you back to Teachable. Uh, I'm, I'm super interested to learn about what you guys are doing with the university. That's what I'm trying to do there is get this, these 10, I, I had a videographer come in this room in one of my outside rooms in my house here and we did 10 videos on basically taking them through the seven steps to crush your goals for small business. And I really uh, tried to simplify it and apply to businesses kind of 30 and uh, 30 people and under, because I know that's underserviced by consulting companies. I was doing, you know, for 32 years of my life, the bigger consulting or uh, the, the bigger companies. So I really kind of match it. So you can get access to that and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. In fact, if you subscribe, um, if your listeners subscribe to my website, I'll send them a free audible copy.
as you guys know, as authors, you're given a few uh, free audible copies. So I'd be happy to share that with the first 10 people that subscribe. I'll get you a free audible copy of the book, Live Your Purpose, a step-by-step -step guide to living your best life. So Great. yeah, I hope uh, as soon as you're able to publish this, get this out, I'll, I can give away uh, 10 links. That's great. That's great. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, on the Facebook page now. You heard it. You can get free. That's true. Yeah, you can do it now. Copy. That's right. Hey, you snooze, you lose. The first 10 people, you know, if I were you, I'd, I'd be reaching out now. Let, let's go ahead and get to his site. Let's get those free, those 10 free copies. It sounds like he's got some life-changing information. Absolutely. For sure. All right. Well, well this concludes another excellent episode of the 30 minute hour podcast yeah. i want to thank rick highland for being on the show and just sharing what he shared uh like we told you at the beginning this was not your everyday podcast uh you can uh, catch us here on the 30 minute hour facebook page you can catch us on igtv on the 30 minute hour instagram page shout out to those of you who have been thumbs up and putting the emojis <laughs> The hearts, just the fireworks and likes. It just, it just gets crazy at times. Oh, I've been looking at you at the corner of my eye this whole time. I look at it. <laughs> For those of you watching me on, on IGTV, shout out to you. Certainly appreciate you. But also, again, you can listen on the various podcasting platforms. We're on iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you like to get your podcasts. There you'll find us. Don't forget about the What Now University Masterclass that we mentioned earlier this coming Saturday with Sean Trice about legal contracts. Until next time, have a great one.